With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. We apologize that we could not find time over the holiday season um, to gather our informal Skype summit. I personally uh, don't apologize. You okay. should have been begging for us back more. We yeah. have, let's put it like this. We have three people in three different cities with three different lives going multiple places for the holidays. It's, uh, it's, it's hard for us to coordinate in such hectic times. How was everyone's holiday? Oh, lovely. I spent it studying. Mm, that's up. Hey, I passed my test. Shut up. Oh, good job. Boo. I have a title now. Thank you. Congrats, Sam. You did good. Hey. All right. Uh, uh, basketball, right? That's life. what we're here to talk <laughs> yeah, about. Wow. Well, hey. Um, was thinking that there was almost no way that this podcast could be positive in any way, shape, or form uh, about Saturday morning. Um, and then now this podcast is going to be uh, I would say more positive than negative um, just because I think it's kind of hard to really look negatively at this program right now based on what was not only a really, really massive win, but like not even close, like a win that doesn't exist in any time in the Steve Wojciechowski era. That'd be the that's the third time uh, Wojo has beaten Villanova, um, all in Milwaukee, and the f- other two were absolute complete nail biters, and it was borderline surreal to see Marquette not coast because there were some rocky points in the second half, but the lead never got under eight, and. It certainly felt like it was going to. It, it did. It did. I mean, again, they scored five points in the first 12 minutes of the second half. That was not ideal. But it was never, like, legitimately close. And that is completely without precedent. I, yeah, I thought, I thought that was – that might have been one of the better defensive performances in the whole Wojo era. Just totally – the skill that they had with some of those screens that Villanova was setting on the outside and the switching that they were doing and the effort. Like I I put this in the preview or the recap that I wrote on the website yesterday, but like, this is the type of game that Theo John specifically is not meant to play in because their whole goal is to extend those centers out and make them uncomfortable, have to make them run around with all the guards that they're switching on. And even if, Theo John is on the low block and someone's driving towards him. They do that uh, disruptive jump stop to get the timing off. And Theo was just fantastic in all facets of the game on defense. Four blocks throughout the whole time. And 
was really keeping up with all those guards. So I was super impressed by the whole team yesterday. Yeah, it was yeah. a massive. It was a massively impressive defensive effort. I would say. Right, um, and I think that um, Ben, to your point, um, it was what got us killed versus Creighton, which was just dragging the centers all over the place with ball movement and the smaller lineup. But somehow it worked against Nova. Like I, you know, we Nova only shot twenty three percent from three, so there's that. But that's huge, by the way. I mean, that's if you want to talk about what could have been a difference maker. As far as that goes, um, you know, Creighton was not only their typical deadly three-pointing shooting selves, but they were also Marquette's guards and perimeter defenders were not able to stay in front of Creighton's players, um, which often either led to an easy basket (laughs) at the rim or ball rotation that led to a deadly three-point shot. And there were instances where some of Villanova's B players had chances, and specifically Brian Antoine had a lot of looks that if he had made just simply one of them, you would say like, oh, okay, maybe this changes it. But I think that you know a potential difference maker is that Creighton's B players are a lot better three-point shooters than Villanova's are. But brief. That's- yeah, it's, it's, it did seem like, to Pat's point, it seemed like the Marquette guard, specifically Cody McEwen, if you listen to one of his post-game interviews, he talked a lot about how personally the team seemed to take the loss to Creighton and how they were very intent on making a statement yesterday or Saturday about putting forth that effort on defense because, yeah, it just was not there against Creighton and they really responded in a big way right and this is like you know we there was a conversation i was having with some friends of mine yesterday where how often do you describe a team that you root for as you know the the pissed off about their own performance team normally you talk about like oh we're getting like you know before we started recording we're getting a providence team that's riding a high or we're getting a team that just lost something that they shouldn't have and are coming in pissed off like, this was a pissed-off Marquette team that had been, like, just absolutely taken to the woodshed on defense. And they responded incredibly, which has not been a hallmark of the Steve Wojciechowski era. So, Well, the start, the start was crazy. Um, right. I did not expect, and, you know, I think more often than not, slow starts are more common for Marquette than hot starts in games where the you know opposition is off to uh, is up to their caliber and the start was unimpeachably good it was clear marcus well clear marcus because he drew two fouls on sadiq bay in four minutes in four minutes who is like pick someone in a lab designed to make marcus's life difficult and it's sadiq bay like it, it that was so massive. I I freaked out on the first defensive possession when or offensive possession when the announcers were like, "And six uh, eight Sadiq Bay is on Marcus Howard," and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna die. <laughs> Everything is terrible. <laughs> End is, it now. This is how I die." <laughs> um, but no, uh, I was like, I just had like that's like the way that teams have taken Marquette out of games 
in the Marcus Howard era is just put a dude who Marcus's physical limitations cannot uh, uh, compensate for. Like, and, I mean, you could have just stopped there and like you could put like the royal dude on a Marcus Howard, and you, that that that's been the game plan. But what's what's so great about Marcus is that the defensive game plan has to be absolutely perfect. And for Villanova, there was just one crack in Jay Wright's scheme at first, at least, which was they were going to extend on Marcus just like a lot of teams do, but they weren't going to necessarily shore up in the mid-range two-point area. And Marcus completely took advantage of that. Of those 17 points, I think only one of those came from a three. And he had an assist on another drive. He was just pulling up and making floaters and getting those foul calls. And that was what, what was able to get guys like Kobe McEwen able to score. Right. Well, I mean, Marcus is three of 12 from three. Like that's, yeah. that, that's an uncharacteristic Marcus performance, but he immediately adapted that to that really high hedge that, and the, you know, the, the game plan of let him go by you. We'd rather funnel him into um, whoever's defending at the rim, than let him shoot his, you know, barely contested threes and he made them pay which you know again not been a hallmark of the Steve Wojciechowski era or even the Marcus Howard era of making them pay with things other than three-point shots um especially a team as good as Villanova so um that was a very good adaptation and I'm not sure if it was pointed out I'm sure he identified it on the floor. I'm not sure if it was emphasized immediately by Coach Wojo or not, but um, you know that's. Uh, I'll take I'll take that any day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, just an incredible performance, start to finish, with the exception of the fact that they scored five points in the first twelve minutes of the second half. But the fact that that didn't cost them anything ultimately, besides maybe a little bit more stress for us watching at home, uh, is a testament to how good they were on defense. And overall, I would say a complete performance. Um, Another contrast, I think, that we need to spend some time on between the two games. Well, I was about to say, one thing I really want to emphasize in the Nova game, too, um, not just good defense, but defense without fouling. Um, Yeah, yeah. And Marquette, so Marquette was 26 of 30 from the free throw line. You know, you can talk about how much of those were in garbage time. You can yeah, talk. Game was know. one free throw line without a doubt. Right. So Marquette was 26 of 30 um, from the free throw line. Villanova shot five free throws mm-hmm. and was three of five. Like, mm-hmm. that's unbelievable. insane. That, I, and I know that, like, cheering for a team like Marquette the last few years who has been a jump shooting team that hasn't necessarily gotten to the line a lot. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Marcus was in full get-to-the-line mode, though. Right, so. and he and hit Kobe. everyone. Yeah. Well, that's that's where I wanted to segue. Okay. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to point that out in the Villanova yeah. game itself. Like, that's that difference is massive. I mean, the game is won at the line I mean, in this game. Marquette wins. Marquette wins by 11 points. They get... 23 more points at the free throw line. I, I don't know how you can point to any other area of Marquette was much better at attacking and drawing contact than Villanova was in the game. And that was a huge X factor, but yeah, I mean, game to game, 
uh, the some of the some of the uh, stats that the announcers were spitting out um, once Kobe McEwen started to heat up were pretty pretty gaudy in their awfulness. Um, the one that I distinctly remember was that he's shooting twenty percent from the field in his last nine games. Twelve of fifty-eight. Like, oh, is that good? <laughs> Here's a good. hit. No. <laughs> but I mean. You contrast, and now Kobe has really struggled for the better part of six weeks. But you contrast his performance against Creighton, uh, which was a scoreless performance where he attempted two shots, had four turnovers, uh, two rebounds and two assists, and four fouls, which is you know about as bad as it gets for a guy that you're trying to you know have consistently and positively impact the game. And against Villanova, he scores 22 points on uh, 5 of 12 from the field, 10 of 13 from the line, 4 rebounds, only 2 turnovers, and 2 steals. I mean, that's a, that's a night and day impactful effort. Um, and, you know, you can talk about how good he was in that game quite a bit. It was the first time he's played at that level it, well, it was the only the second time he's played at that level um, in a Marquette uniform. The first time being the Purdue game where he essentially won that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what I would say, what I would be curious, because this is kind of how I'm thinking, at least at this point, is that the ceiling of this team will largely be dictated by whether Kobe McEwen can be this more commonly than what he was against Creighton and what he has been for large stretches of the non-conference. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm pretty comfortable with that judgment. Just given these last two games, it was, I, w- I was starting to think like maybe we can pull something off without Kobe needing the hot hand in order to win. Cause Sakari has, for the most part, been a really good presence this year. And I thought that the combination of like him, Bailey, putting Greg in a little bit more of a higher usage could make up for that. But it it is just so much easier if you can get all that sort of production from one guy and then have everyone else supplement that instead of needing a bunch of other guys to take unnecessarily bigger roles. Yeah, and... Go ahead, Sam. I was gonna say, I like Marquette needs somebody besides Marcus Howard to step up every game. Like, there's oh. there's always going to be a game plan for Marcus, um, especially now in the conference season. Like, we're not playing by games anymore. Um, and you know, our, the Marquette's worst Except performance is to Paul. Right, got him, got him. Except uh, that uh, I, I'm still I'm still scared still... of fraudulent. They're fr- uh, Paul Paul Reed, very good. To Paul, fraudulent. DePaul, um, still DePaul. Yeah, um, but I. The earlier point is that like it, it does. I, I think that like it doesn't necessarily have to be Kobe, but Steve Wojciechowski's offense kind of dictates it needs to be. Um, you know, yeah. it's 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 very guard centric. It's very like Marquette doesn't have a dominant offensive big man, big man a la um, you know Jalen Smith or uh, Doke from Kansas, um, like. It, it's going to have to be somebody playing on the perimeter that steps up um, alongside Marcus Howard. And, you know, we have four different guys, Sakar, Brendan, Kobe, I guess five with Jamal and uh, Greg, 
who like if any one of those five steps up alongside Marcus not having a bad game, like we're going to always be in the position to win. But of all of those people, it's going to have to be Kobe more likely than not, just because the ball is going to be in his hands and the Wojciechowski offense demands that the point guard um, sort of be the emphasis and or the playmaker, quote unquote, um, be the emphasis. So it's it's nice to see the the bounce back. You really hope that it sticks. But um, we we have evidence both that Kobe can win us games like that, and also all of the evidence that oh yeah, by the way, he can go into slumps, and we look really bad when he does. So yeah, not to put a whole wet blanket on his performance today, but during that stretch, it was uh, after the under sixteen timeout and after the under eight timeout where Marquette was. Uh, completely scoreless during that whole time. Uh, that was a little bit of a glimpse again of bad but cocky Kobe, where he w- he was taking some pretty bad shots and making some poor decisions. And so that was kind of another glimpse of uh, how things can go poorly when Kobe's not on, because he not only needs to be good and aggressive, but he needs to be smart like he was in the latter half of the first half where he was making smart threes and driving to the basket but not just throwing up prayers like there was one drive that he had where he had just a beautiful kick out to Jamal for his patented corner three he ended up missing it but that was just one of those aggressive good plays and there just needs to be that balance for Kobe but I'm at least glad that he was able to find the bottom of the net in this game as opposed to what we've seen in the other games yeah right I mean I think like there's a you know argument that if Kobe is merely competent like if he finds a medium of the two games that he played this week um on a regular basis that it would be at least you know would raise Marquette's floor significantly game to game um But, yeah, I think, Sam, your point is correct that the guy that has the ball primarily in Wojo's offense, um, if he's playing at a very high level like Kobe was for most of the Villanova game, it's going to be a huge um, determining factor for Marquette uh, breaking through in a lot of crucial games. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I really want I really want this to be the game where he turns the corner um, because mm-hmm. I think I think really Marcus and Kobe being both being able to score at a high level is really such a huge benefit for this team which struggles um, to find secondary offense um, but gosh I don't know it's it's hard it's hard with how inconsistent they were literally just within this week um, to try to say that anything will carry over going forward. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to pivot to uh, asking the question of uh, how infuriating is the rest of the season going to be if this week is indicative of what we're going to see throughout Big East play because it just seems like there's games like Purdue and Villanova and USC where it just seems like we are on top of the world. And then it seems like at the drop of a hat, Wisconsin, Maryland, Creighton happen. Yeah. 
Well, this is the first game this season, I would say, that Wojo has put together, Wojo's team has put together a game like this against a formidable coach. Yeah. Um, because USC, I fully, fully explain by Enfield is trash. <laughs> like, like, I apologize if that's like a hot take or something, but when Wojo goes up against one of the 15 or 20 high major coaches that I I know for a fact are not as good as him. Like, I, I do not expect that team to be able to put together a coherent game plan. But, like, the next game against Maryland, it was, oh, we're going to switch all the screens uh, to follow Marcus Howard around. And it was like, oh, this is actually a really coherent, good defensive strategy and is putting Marquette on its heels. Mm-hmm. So this game is the first one where... A bona fide coach, Jay Wright, one of the best five coaches in college basketball by pretty much anyone's ranking. Uh, yeah, you, you just you just have to wonder when he's going to make the second weekend, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, nice. Oh God, yeah, I used to, yeah, I follow a Nova fan on Twitter, and I used to always just tweet him about that, even after they won the first title and even the second title. It's like shout, wow. shout out, shout out to the guys at Mid Major Mid Major Madness for that. Yeah, exactly. I love that joke so much. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Jay Wright, phenomenal coach. And, you know, Marquette beat them pillar to post. And it just, like, not, it was never close. And so this is one of those performances where you can look at and say, hey, maybe, maybe there are a legit, there's a legitimate ceiling here. And I think that the other game where you would say, hey, they played really well for at least a major stretch against good coaching and high major opposition would be the Purdue game. And I look at that as well, and I'm like, what is the commonality between those two games? And it's Kobe McEwen playing really freaking well. Um, So that's where I'm at as far as the rest of the season goes, is if Kobe can get to a, um, you know, consistently well above average level like he's been in those two big wins, then this team can put together a sort of 13 and five ish record in the big East. But if that is a ballsy call, but yeah, well, no, but I just think, I mean, I don't know. It's not, they went, what did they go? uh, uh, 12 and six last year after just completely falling to a, a fissure in the earth in the last two weeks. Right. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I think my only contention against the, like the thirteen and five idea um, is the fact that the Big East is going to eat itself this year, just like in general. Um, like I think Marquette is thirteen and five in the Big East, good. Um, which is, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, not what my post Creighton rants were sounding like, but. Um, like this is this is a team that is truly I think thirteen and five in the Big East. Good. I just don't think that the Big East like the reality of the Big East is not going to allow that. Um, we're going to lose some dumb home game to somebody we have no business losing to. We're going to lay an egg multiple times on the road. There's going to be a game where like like DePaul away is going to be miserable because like Paul Reed is going to just like ascend a godhood status for exactly, like, five minutes and pull off, like, a personal, like, 
19 to zero run against us. Like dumb stuff is going to happen in the big East because it's the 2020 big East. Like there, right. This, this team is that good. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's actually going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think the big East largely this year, especially for a team like Marquette, who is, you know, solidly back half top 25, um, type caliber. Um, it's 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 going to be difficult. The, the goal is going to be to win more than you lose, first and foremost. Just you, you, your, you, you have to go 500 in conference, but like if you your, do... Stick your head up above the level of the average Big East team. Right. I mean, like, they're, they're, right now, so um, Alan Bukowski was talking about on his last bracket, he put nine Big East teams in as of right at that moment, um, is you know, he real? He say something about how that's like probably impossible. Long, yeah, term. yeah. No, he definitely, he definitely like qualified it. Like, yeah. this is not what's that going to sense. happen. Just like yep. if you had to seed teams today, yeah, um, yeah. You know, this is this is a this is a seven bid much. This, yeah, this is a seven bid league this year at least. I think it's a seven bid league. I think that's legit. And that for for a ten for a ten team conference, that is just like mathematically is very impressive let alone, like, you know the caliber of the teams are good enough. I think um, – I don't think St. John's is a tournament team. Um, I I think Georgetown is going to collapse into a, a cavern uh, uh, over the course of the season. And then it's a matter of, uh, you know, can DePaul uh, keep their head above water? Can Providence somehow keep their form together? Otherwise, I think it might be a six. If DePaul doesn't get in, I think it might be a six bid league. But because I think Providence took way too many L's in. Uh, Pro- Providence's non-con is so bad. Yeah, like I a, don't... Loss, a loss to Long Beach, a loss to uh, they lost to Rhode Island. They lost, which isn't a terrible loss. They lost to Charleston. Yeah, the loss to Charleston, like Long, Prov- Beach, oh, Long Beach State is that that's legitimately a horrible loss. Long Beach State is in the three hundreds in Ken Palm. Yeah. And Long Beach State, fun fact from my um, other college basketball fandom, came to Seattle University about three weeks ago, and Seattle U was so far and away better than them. Um, and Seattle U is a mid two hundreds Ken Palm team. Remember and, the twenty twelve Long Beach State team? Anyone yes. here? Fun the, fact. Fun well, fact. Yes, remembering I, some guys. I, for uh, spring break, or Easter break or spring break, I don't remember which, of my freshman year at Marquette, I visited my friend in Portland and went to the NCAA tournament game in Portland, which it was Louisville versus Long Beach. So I... Oh, uh, that, the year I'm talking about was when they were a 12 seed. They lost to New Mexico. That was uh, oh. Casper Ware was on that team. We have the wrong year then, because 2012 would have been that year. Hold on, let me pull mm. up. Wait, hang on. Okay, 2012. Quick, 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 quick Casperware Google search. <laughs> I got oh. the 20, 2012 year. Yeah, they lost to New Mexico as a 12 seed. Hmm. I My freshman year of college would have been... I think you have Siena. Siena lost to Louisville on the tournament once as a 13 seed. Actually, that would have oh. been like way before your time. No, no. Hold on. Where's Long Beach? Love good 
audio medium. Just yeah, everyone is completely in the dark to what we're doing right now. God, do I really have that memory wrong in my head? That's so bad. Wow, false memories as an adult. Look at you. Mm, I feel I feel like I've betrayed I've betrayed the integrity of the podcast with this. Now I'm curious. So you definitely remember Louisville? It was definitely the Louisville. So the the team they played in the 2012 tournament, they were a four seed, mm-hmm. was Davidson. Shoot. <gasps> oh, maybe it was Long Beach, New Mexico was the other game. Because Louisville beat New Mexico the next round. Yep. Dang it. <laughs> ben sunned me. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Long Beach was there, but it wasn't Long Beach. It was, yeah. Dang, man. I will never be beat on random mid-major 11 to 13 seeds. I'm always on top of them every ben, single year. Ben, Ben, what, sending in his application to mid-major madness. Ben, what was that Long Beach? There was a player on that Long Beach team that had an amazing name, and I'm trying to remember what it was. And it wasn't Casper Ware. It um, wasn't Casper Ware? No. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to find them on Ken Palm, but they're so, like... They're There's very- Eugene Phillips. There is... Edis Durvishevic. Yes, this guy. Uh, well, uh, how did you say that name? I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I, d- I didn't follow them that closely to the point that I'm knowing oh, who their seventh oh, guy was, uh, is. It was pronounced, this is why it was funny, it was pronounced Diversivak. Ew. <laughs> so it sounded like diversity if it was Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I love I love the random just Eastern European players that pop up like that guy uh edgigus or whoever from evansville a few years ago i loved um dennis kalichla on uh on uh, west virginia um, when was that uh he was like the big hairy uh big hairy eastern european dude i don't know what country big and hairy describing a college basketball player voice yeah um <laughs> no uh by the way to to bring this long beach state uh tangent to an end james ennis very like good professional basketball player still wait what i think so is that the same ennis you're thinking of because there's like nineteen thousand ennis's yeah there's the he's he's like he's like the eighth guy on the sixers all right you guys do the frantic googling i'll keep talking about the big east thank you (laughs) (laughs) ad break talking about the big east on the other side Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, go, Sam. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm just looking at the uh, the conference right now, and uh, in general, like, at how are we feeling about Marquette's finish now that we have exactly no sure data, like data points from the blowing out at Creighton and the somehow we beat Villanova game. Um, I don't like them to win the conference anymore. I'll say that because I don't. Yeah. Because I don't think they're going to be consistent enough to win the conference. Yeah, uh, my goal was eleven wins, with the understanding that, like, 
most of the five losses are probably going to be like blows because again, I really just don't see any consistency in this team, but I'm really hoping for like weeks where we go one and one. I'm hoping for that. They come like this because in terms of the selection committee wins matter a lot more than losses. Like we could probably equate this Villanova win in terms of how this team performed is basically on the opposite side of how bad the Creighton loss was, if you're understanding me at all. But the committee is going to look a lot more at the Villanova win because that shows how good Marquette can perform. Yeah, no, I and think so, that's a very good point. So like, yeah, if, if you look at a wins above, WAB is what a T-Rank has it. It's wins above bubble. Um, oh. Every game is essentially assigned a number between like zero and like, I don't know, two or something like that, where it basically, this will winning, this will get you this many wins above the bubble. And so the Creighton loss ended up getting us 1.2 wins above the bubble, but the Villanova win ended up with us gaining Mm 1.6. So. Wow. What a cool metric that is. It's a very cool metric for teams like Marquette and for, determining what matters in the eyes of the committee. So I'm just like hoping to steal a performance against like a Villanova again or a Butler or uh we'll, we'll, we'll have guys guess crown um, for that Butler game. I'm gonna, so my roommate and I are going to uh Hinkle. So I, yeah, that's going to that's going to be a time but I they they I I'm not confident about a lot of things. I am confident Butler is going to beat the hell out of us this year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really worried about that game. That team is just like anti-Marquette in terms yeah. of like everything they do that is good plays directly into everything Marquette does that is bad. Right. And, well, you saw it when Marquette gets absolutely slobber-knocked at Creighton. And then two days later or three days later, Creighton goes to Butler. And Butler does literally everything you have to do to beat Creighton in like – the same fucking game window. I was just so frustrated. I was like, oh my God, this is exactly the opposite of like what Marquette did. It's very frustrating. When Butler brought in their uh, big from the bench and just like kept feeding him the ball and let him do whatever against the incredibly small Creighton forwards, it just pissed me off more that Wojo was not able to think about, hey, maybe for just one game we can have a little bit of a post attack because their center is six foot seven. Right. I that that game especially was infuriating because like Wojo's adjustment, and yes, he did make an adjustment to the listeners at home. Um his adjustment to they are murdering Theo on defense and we're not passing to him on offense so he can actually like exploit that wasn't to game plan for Theo, but was to take Theo out. And I hate that. I, I was infuriated. Right. Um, but I, I think we can slightly pivot to the news that came out yesterday about Theo. Do we want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um, because I don't really know what to think. First of all, it just really sucks. Uh, the news, in case you missed it, was that Theo... Um, was considering redshirting the season and having surgery on his hand, which has given him problems throughout the year. Um, and I think part of 
Well, first of all, it's just a huge bummer that a player with such a high ceiling that consistently runs into adversity um, on and off the court. Well, on the court. I don't know why I said on and off the court. I guess the injury, is, the injury would be considered what? On the court, probably. So it's all on the court. He's not doing anything like illegal or bad. It's no. literally all basketball related. He just gets screwed all the time on the basketball court, and it's really unfortunate. Um, and it sucks that this is just another roadblock in his career because he has really high potential. Um, but I think the the really the the question is, I don't because I don't think I think he made the right decision. Um, unless he unless he hurts it worse um, at some point during the season, I think he made a fine decision to not redshirt. I think this team really needs him. Um, and would have this team's this team with Ed Morrow and Jace Johnson like if if this team had had Ed Morrow only playing center for the first six or so games until Jace Johnson was healthy and then just Ed Morrow and Jace Johnson uh, this would be a really dark uh, timeline um, but the I think the real question is how much of an impact is this going to have? And there's no really answer to that, I guess, but, but you'll see like against Creighton, Theo John was a complete non-factor. Um, and then, and played seven minutes. And then against Villanova, he plays 33 minutes, has a dominant defensive performance, contributes on a couple of post-ups, um, that he doesn't always score. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's a bummer, but how much of an impact is it actually having is a really good question because he, like Kobe McEwen, just had two completely um, opposite end of the spectrum games within three days of each other. Yeah, I mean, what honestly, it more made sad that uh, like somebody's foul troubles are completely fixed, but he's had a lot of games in which he's just had no foul trouble at all, but he still has struggled for the most part of this year. He's only, he's less than 50% from the floor and he's still not hitting his free throws like he once did. And his defense is still good, but just uh, the fact that his offense has struggled probably as a big result of his hand has put a pretty hard cap on his production this year on the offensive end. And so I feel for him for fixing the main issue that he had and then just taking two more steps backward. But uh, a game like yesterday or a game like on Saturday is the one thing that just really gets me fired up for him because if he can tap into that every now and again and just really fight through it against a team like that, I mean, he's like one of those guys on the team that I just really want to run through a brick wall for, even though he could do it himself. Just the amount of energy that he plays with, I just adore it. Oh. Right. I mean, like, uh, going back to Pat's point about, like, it's probably the right decision not to redshirt. Um, you know, and I said this in our group chat yesterday um, after that news broke. Um, this is a year where the replacements for Theo John are Ed Morrow and Jace Johnson. Next year the uh, replacements for Theo John, if he has to miss some time for the surgery, you know, maybe a month or whatever into the season. Um, the replacements are Dawson Garcia, Justin Lewis, Oso, um, and, you know, maybe play small ball a little bit. Like, 
there's the, the right decision was made not to redshirt this year because we need Theo this year um, more than we will potentially need him um, at the start of next season. So there's that. Um, I is this free throw rate or free throw percentage? I should say really that bad. I mean, it's fifty six. So it's I mean, it's not Udoka's bouquet over here, but. It's not great. I mean, it's like, yeah, I guess, like, so I have him at, f- uh, yeah, so 56%. This is actually the best year he shot free throws still. But the last two years he shot, like, basically right at 50%. Oh, good um, for him. So, you know, there's that. Um, Let him shoot threes, Wojo. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so maybe it's not affecting – it's definitely affecting his non-free throw game, though, that – Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's especially the one blatant possession where he got wide open on the block and just absolutely like, you know, he thought he was going to get hit. Sure. But he just absolutely like muffed a, a easy layup that like, I, I'm not kidding saying that I've made that layup and like pick up before, you know? Um, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So, and, and he did admit, um, so part of that quote where he was talking about, you know, I could have had a, a surgery and red shirted this year. Part of that quote, too, was that it was messing with him mentally. So I think that that's mm-hmm. the bigger problem. Um, obviously, you don't want your starting defensive enforcer center to be hurt, but it's like physically hurt. But like the, men- the mental messing with you where it's like every decision you make is like has that as a factor. And even your brain when it's doing muscle memory stuff is like, hold up. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do this. Um, that's the bigger concern for me than like, you know, the quote unquote actual injury. So, um, yeah, that you can definitely tell that's a thing. Like that's still messing with him. His willingness to talk about it though, at least gives me some hope that he's at least realized it and can move on. Cause like, I, I wouldn't have noticed any, mental issues or anything like that that's not really something that i'm looking out for i'm not trying to determine okay who's got the clutch gene or whatever so him bringing that forth to the markhead audience makes me think that it's something that he's started to make pretty good progress on and it's more something that i'll wait for updates from him on i guess for sure. Um, do you want to briefly talk about Marquette's games this week before we likely record next Sunday? No, I don't want to. Okay, that's great. Um, <laughs> well, all let's right. A, let's, so I guess just like um, I'll, I'll talk about it in passing. Um, Sam's former best friend, Providence, on Tuesday. Pro- Providence, like an ex trying to bring me back, is 2-0. and um, They... Uh, this is this screams to me a year where like, so we we laugh at the Big Ten for like besides like, like the, there was the week where like everybody but Northwestern won at home, and so everybody was basically one on one besides Northwestern and Michigan State. Um, this screams like a year to me where the the home team in every Big East matchup is going to most likely win. Um, you know we can talk about the teams that are 0-2 already, sure, but um, 
So I, I like us to hold serve against Providence at home. Um, this screams to me like a, an eight and one year um, at home in the Big East. Um, but, you know, like a, a three and six year away from home, um, which happens. Uh, the Seton Hall game is I, I'm very ready for the blood rivalry. So that's all that, that that's all I got. Yeah, Seton Hall. I mean, gosh. I, I, those games cause the most anxiety of any, um, consistently. Um, and as long, uh, you know, the last, the last one probably caused more bad blood than, I don't know, any Marquette game I can remember as far as the fan reaction to it went. Um, just because of how aggressively ref showed it was, how Powell was kicked out and allowed to come back in. I tried to get a Seton Hall like associate athletic director fired for that. So never forget. Um, what a great day! By great, I mean just terrible. Yeah, I do wonder yeah. if like because I don't really follow any Seton Hall fans. I don't know if you guys do, but I don't really have much of a grasp of the pulse of the fan base in terms of how they view that game. Like, is Marquette going to roll into Newark and they're? just going to be like oh this is marquette this is a team that we have played before and i will boo them because they're a team that we're playing or if it's going to be at that elevated level that is certainly going to be showed when they roll into milwaukee on senior day it's um i would argue that the reason that this is going to get extra attention um i i I also don't really have a pulse on the fan base necessarily but i would guess that um for the Seton Hall fan base, this is going to matter because it's Miles Powell versus Marcus Howard. Yeah, so, yeah, that that was what I was thinking could possibly push. I think them that more I think that direction. That that like basically all of the Marquette fan base I know despises Seton Hall, and that's that's fine and good and accurate. Um, but I don't know how they feel about us. I'm sure they're not big fans of us because it's Seton Hall fans. Um, yeah, but uh, the. The Miles Powell versus Marcus Howard narrative is way too strong. Like, I don't know what time that game is next Saturday, but that's prime time. It's at three. Also, it's on CBS Sports Network, which makes makes me want to punch everyone in the throat. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like throw throw a ba- like a child at them for it. Like, yeah, like that should be like yeah. at least that- on Fox Sports One. Yeah, that 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 is your highlight game. That is Miles Powell versus Marcus Howard. Why is that on CBS Sports? Um, yeah, they're basically going to be fighting for a spot on the All American team, and right. their two matchups from better or worse. Right. There, there, there's just like every year. This is there's going to be a round three at the Big East tournament. Like this round three is definitely happening in the Big East tournament. I, mm-hmm. I've just resigned myself to that fact already. Um, so I guess looking into like. Probably one and one next week. Oh, I want two and zero real bad. Oh, I, 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 I really bad. want. I'm just it. trying to be accurate. I don't think there's any. They should have. Seen Hall also doesn't have Sandro still. Uh, he's he's going to be out for losing, a while. They don't right? have any business losing to Providence, and Wojo should be able to outcoach Ke- Kevin Willard. So I think they should go two and zero because I think Seton Hall is greatly diminished right now, and. The one question I did want to ask about that is, would you prefer uh, Brendan Bailey or uh, Sakar Annam spending more time on Miles Powell? Brendan Bailey. Me too. 
Like by I, a lot. I was actually gonna say Sakari Anim because Anim, if you oh. remember in the first half of the shut up, if you remember Anim in the first half of the Big East tournament game last year, Anim was on him and he was frustrating Powell so much to the point that if you remember the first flagrant foul that Miles Powell was called on, it was because he punched Sakari Anim out of frustration like five minutes into the game. And I, ju- I really think that Anim's skills on defense perfectly match Powell's skills on offense. You have convinced me. I, um, I, I agree I think, with that take. I think, you're, I, I think while I would rather have Bailey because I think Bailey is like the best defender on Marquette, um, it would be a sacrifice of some kind, and I'm not totally sure how it would play out, to not have Bailey to have Bailey on the other teams, I don't know what what do you consider Powell to be a two a three? Like if if you move Bailey, who is ostensibly almost always your four, onto a a guard player, you have to be able to compensate for that. Now I'm not mm-hmm. sure how much Seton Hall is playing a second, like a, playing a true power forward with Sandro out. Um, that would be worth uh, examining. Um, I think it's more Jared Roden, Miles Kale, like couple six six guys. That in that case, I think they're fine with. Yeah, they are. They're starting Kale and Roden and McKnight with Powell now. Um, and I, in that case, I would be fine with Bailey because I think that Animan and uh, McEwen can handle uh, Roden Kale. Um, but it's just a question of. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't look like they're really playing a true four much at all. So in that case, yeah. I'd be fine with Bailey. Um, I would imagine they start with Anum um, and mostly uh, rotate between Anum. And then when Anum's off the court, they likely put um, either uh, uh, Bailey or Kane on him. Yeah. I have My an idea worries. that. So uh, Greg Elliott, yes. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about Greg. I, like, I think Greg Elliott should be spelling whoever is given that assignment um, with regularity because he's more athletic than Miles Powell. He's faster than Miles Powell. He's lankier than Miles Powell. And he's a better, he's a way, we already, like, everybody gives him good credit for being a good defender. We still don't give him enough credit for the type of defense he plays. And I think his only really weakness is the fact that um, I I don't think he's amazing off ball, um, either in help situations or what have you. But if you go tell Greg Elliott to stare this person in the face and don't let them do their thing, I can't really think of a much better person besides maybe Sakara or Brendan on the team that I'd rather have that happen. Um. So I, I, I love the possibility of the Greg Elliott defensive matchup. Yeah. My main worry for um for Seton Hall on offense obviously is Miles Powell getting hot. Um but if he's if he just isn't finding it, he'll still take those shots, which gives me some hope that like he if he's cold, he's still gonna keep firing up shots and he probably is gonna keep missing them. Like he's forever in heat check mode, which is that he's just putting up dumb shots and i know you guys have the disagreement with me on this but i am stupid high on quincy mcknight 
and the way he yep. is able to run the offense and get Miles Powell better shots than he probably deserves. Well, and so I, I think I think that that assignment is honestly going to be a pretty big in determining how this game goes. And then the other minor worry for me on offense is Romero Gill because he's seven two and can really rebound the ball and he's really good at putbacks also. So limiting those opportunities is going to be big. But then on defense, so defense is kind of where Seton Hall is their best at. Like their interior defense is honestly incredible. Gill is. He might, like, I go between Gill and Theo John as the best interior defenders in the conference. Um, but the problem with Gill and really the team in general is something that plays right into Marquette's hands is that they foul a lot, like a lot. They're around the 250 mark in free throw attempts per game given up. So if Marcus and Kobe are just being told, hey, just go to the basket, draw some early fouls, then we can really start to do our thing while they're worried about picking up that third foul in the first half or whatever. Then, I, I don't know, like, S- Sandro being out is huge, but totally. I, that's I don't a, know, it, it's, it's still going to be really close. This Seton Hall team is on another level with Sandro and Gil, and because that front line is insane. Mm-hmm. And, Sandro's ability to step out and shoot it too, to like, to make that lineup. If you take Roden out and put him in, like the consistency of that lineup is a legitimate. You could see why Seton Hall had so many high expectations coming into the season, despite the fact that their coach is debatably, like I said on Twitter earlier this week, as he was, as uh, Dob Roster was uh, comparing him to. Uh, Bill Belichick because he was obscuring injury reports on Miles Powell, the worst ever compared to Bill Belichick in any sport. Um, Despite that, their talent is immense, and their lineup makes a ton of sense with Sandro in there. Without Sandro, the team really does default to Quincy McKnight getting Miles Powell open and Miles Powell getting himself open. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, whatever they can get from um, healthy lettuce – and um uh healthy did you just call him healthy lettuce what is his last name i get it but like (laughs) i'm so disappointed in you (laughs) dude hey it's really good for you you should you should eat more add more kale to your diet yeah so so wow i what what you're telling got it 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 took me 10 to 15 seconds just wow so what, what you're telling me, for me is Mar- Marquette's playing across the healthy food spectrum um, with both playing against Miles Kale and noted concession stand item Brevin Pritzel. Yes. Hey. Yeah, well, on, yeah, no, we should wa- we, well, I don't know if it's like means Miles Kale is going to have a terrible game because Brevin Pritzel had a good game. So Marquette does worse against less healthy foods. I'm not sure. It would be very Wisconsin of them. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, all right. I think we man, I, I also I also just look at that performance against Rutgers for Seton Hall and just seeing how bad they can be yes. without right. Sandro, but also then on the complete other side, how they were just able to strangle Maryland's offense right. in the next game. So I think both teams are pretty inconsistent. So I think there's a decent chance that like 
a blowout happens, but hopefully if Marquette loses, it's not in that sort of fashion. I would I, love to see I would, agree. I would not like Marquette to be blown out by Seton Hall. That would, that would be demoralizing. And we would that, come to you the day later, uh, probably pretty depressed on our next episode. But for that now, game just has, that game has chaos written all over it. And yeah, well, it's, it embrace the chaos. The big, Introduce big, a little big anarchy. Big East 2020, embrace the chaos. Mar- Marquette's eternal motto, embrace the chaos. Absolutely. Okay, um, we will... Wait, uh, one, one, qu- one quick oh, thing. Go ahead. A nice little update. Oh. Sakar Annam, above the 100 mark for offensive radio on Ken Dude. Palm. Finally. Dude. Gross confetti. The episode, the episode where I was angry about Sakar Annam. Since that episode, Sakar Annam has been great. I have no, this, I have no complaints about Sakari Adams since that complaint. Shout out Brendan Bailey at a healthy one seventeen. Mm-hmm. Brendan Bailey has been amazing since we started questioning whether he was going to be good or not. Don't say we. Don't say we. Do not drag no, me into your film. <laughs> you were being dragged for a while, and now he's turned the corner. Um, yeah, Coach McEwen, maybe, maybe this is the corner for him too. Who knows? Ed Morrow uh-huh. still ninety three offense break. Uh, Ed Morrow, let's not talk about it. Is Ed Morrow quick, actually uh, was okay in a brief seven-minute stint against? Nova. I was, I was going to say block. let's uh, let's do a new segment. Say something nice about Ed Morrow. He had a nice block yesterday. Great block. It was a, it was a great block. It was a big momentum block too because I believe that was like right when it was getting away a bit, and he swatted the crap out of that. So that was huge. And then he had a goaltending. Yeah. Zip it. Yeah, it was a very on the replay. It was a very viscerally obvious goaltend too. The ball was so below the rim, it, like it was going to be an air ball. No, it was. It was not going in. It was. It, really it was just automatic. I, I yelled a swear word. I ah. should get a confession for that, but boy, I, I said a big old swear word. That's that's. You hate to see that, Ben. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, we get. Anything yeah, else? I think I, th- I think that's all I gotta say. Did we get under an hour? Uh, I think we're close. We're like right on the number. Throws even with again. even with all that Long Beach State talk, right? <laughs> I know we had a Casper Ware James Ennis tangent, and um, we're still getting there. Tune we, we um, in next week to hear me like... rant about Kiefer Sykes on UW Green Bay. Tune in next week to see us talk about hopefully um, a three and one record and not a one and three record. Oof. Oof. I'm scared now. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to sorry to throw that out there. But uh pray pray for wins, folks. Pray for wins. <laughs>